Welcome to the Horror Babble Originals podcast. The Man Who Saw the Light Over Winter Hill by Ian Gordon Eleven. Return to the two lads. Had I caught something? Been exposed to something? I'd heard terrible accounts of people exposed to the smallest amounts of radiation, who had practically come undone in a relatively short period of time. The idiot that I am, I went after my doppelganger that night without a plan, no preparation. What on earth was I thinking? I should have at least told Rosie. I couldn't trust the police. Well, they were in on it, as far as I was concerned. Possibly not at the beginning, when my double was arrested. But after that silver car came into the picture, who can say? Nevertheless, two days had passed since the barking incident with Jolly, and I hadn't seen a single patrol car. I hadn't seen the Vento, either. Was there an overarching plot? If I was at the centre of a conspiracy, I sure as hell wished they'd get it over with. Such were my thoughts, as the tedious hours slipped by. Frequent trips to the mirror in the bathroom were irresistible, despite the horrors I continued to encounter there. My skin had become dry and flaky in places, and I couldn't resist picking at it. It was like peeling a roasted onion. My eyes were bloodshot and my vision was deteriorating. I'd resorted to wearing my reading glasses round the clock. I was at the end of my thread with it all, and should probably have asked for help, but to whom could I turn without dragging them into this mess with me? I was left with two choices. One continued to decline in isolation with a thousand unanswered questions swimming in my throbbing head, or two, take some affirmative action while I was still physically capable of doing so. And with that in mind, and this was just yesterday, I decided to head out once again, to comb the moor for further evidence of the strangeness that had caused my present condition. But this time, I prepared myself. I ate like a pig, filling up on calories, hoping that the grub would provide me with enough energy to complete the journey up to Winter Hill on foot. I couldn't take the car. Though it hadn't snowed for several days, temperatures had plummeted, making the roads icy and treacherous, the worst of which would be the service road up to the mast. With the advent of darkness, I wrapped up and sneaked out the back of the house. What a slow and painful hike that was. Unsteady and limping, the two-mile journey to the two lads was the most difficult journey of my life. With every stride, my thighs screamed in protest, the soles of my feet burned, sending forks of flame shooting into my calves. My spine was stiff as a rod, forcing me to stoop forward as I went, putting tremendous pressure on my neck, and my hands, deep in the pockets of my coat, were the source of the worst pins and needles imaginable. That trek was torture. 
I don't know how long it took in the end. Hours, but when I did finally reach the Cairns, I threw myself against the larger of the two and cried out in sheer anguish. But that was just the beginning of the night's ordeal. What I was looking for was the exact spot on which I'd been stood when I caught that last glimpse of my double in the snowstorm, the instant before that flash of light lit the night sky and transported me to that subterranean warren of horrors. The billowing snow had been extremely disorienting that night, so it was going to take a great deal of toil to locate the sought-after spot, and even if I thought I'd found it, how could I be sure that I actually had? Well, as I stumbled back and forth, wincing in pain as my joints continued to spasm, I saw, a few paces ahead of me, a hollow in the clumps of moorgrass, thirty feet or so from the smaller of the two cairns, on the south side of Crooked Edge Hill. I approached the depression and peered down into it, and everything clicked into place. Again, I recalled the phone box and the calls, the police and the arrest, the various guises of my strange double, and then, quite suddenly and inexplicably, I recalled snippets of curious conversations I'd overheard while recovering in the darkness of the facility, in human voices, speaking in a foreign tongue that somehow I was able to translate. That equates to five percent, one of them said. And this one, came a second voice. Conscious? It would appear so, answered the first. How much it will retain, though, remains to be seen. Interesting, said the other. Then the entanglement trials must continue. Element status? Holding. It was all clear to me now. My double, whatever it started out as, had been sent to copy me, to absorb me inside and out, and once complete, tasked to return to where it came from. And not only me, others had been copied too. Five percent? Five percent of what? And what of that grey world beneath the surface, that replica world in which these copies were going about their mute business, the alternate Mr. Nash I encountered, for example? Were these clones being primed to replace us? What if some of us already had been replaced? Standing there in the cold, I began to tremble. Sweat appeared on my brow, and the hollow at my feet the spot from which I thought I'd been yanked through a door or hatch. Its contents were this. My frozen, dead body, killed instantly by the blazing light that had flashed over my head.